morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your Sunday installment of the Gelsnet Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray, to talk about all things Rangers. That's Philippe Clement's table-topping Rangers after today. It's Sunday, the 18th of February. It's 9.30pm, and we're absolutely delighted that you can join us here tonight. And before we get into all things Rangers, we need to bring our message from our sponsors. That is Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. And I've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years, and we're absolutely delighted that they're back in our podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com, and you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Um, of course, this is the Gelsnet podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans. And as always, all of our content is free. You can get us over on Twitter at Gelsnet Online and the website and the forum as well at gelsnet.co.uk. Um, joined tonight by my wonderful guest, Mr. Alec Anderson, who's, um, I've got to say, recovered um, after his, his earlier partying. I mean, Alec, we never quite get the six each draw that I predicted that would take us top of the league, but I'm sure we'll all take the 3 now as well. Aye, that's just, it's not as interesting, but it's a bit, it's a bit boringly straightforward, Craig, but aye, tabletop fantastic, mate, enjoying the view, just just look out the way, don't look at what's beneath us, just look out the way and enjoy the, the, the glorious view, uh, absolutely fantastic, a lovely day, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves, but I think we're all entitled to totally enjoy uh, the moment, Craig, so looking forward to a bit of chat, mate. No, definitely. And I said on Friday when I was doing the, the preview with John, reverse psychology, you know, getting that fourth goal against Ross County on Wednesday. Let Celtic think they're in control. And look, they dropped points yesterday against a wonderful Kelly at Parkhead. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll take the credit for that one. But right. you know, look, I mean, as you said, we can't get ahead of ourselves, but we've got every right to be excited. You know, it's the first time that we've been in this position for... 18 months, maybe a wee bit long, well, no, two years actually, never mind 18 months. Um, Christ, it has been that long. Um, but, you know, we're coming into mid-February, we're top of the table, the momentum's with us right now, Alec, and long may it continue. Absolutely, that, that's it. I think it's really important. Um, we've got to enjoy the moment, we deserve it, we've waited for this. I think all, all today has confirmed, um, as if a, a lot of us might, I don't think many of us will still have needed convincing, but it's confirmed that we're in the we're in the right hands, we're in safe hands. We we feel like Clement and we're doing as much as we possibly can. And if Celtic are, I mean Celtic are going to come back at us, I would imagine there's going to be a few slips along the way. We're getting into a part of the season where we're going to start playing in Europe again. We're going to have the Scottish Cup coming up as well. It's going to get quite intense. Um, it will test what is starting to look like a really good squad we've got just now. But the, the strength and depth of that will be tested a, a lot more stringently in the coming months. So we've got to enjoy it, but we've also got to enjoy it. Not as, as Rangers supporters and we deserve what we've been through in earlier part of this season, but also just to get enough of a, a, a momentum going, just to keep the feel the feel-good feeling, you know, just to get behind the players. I think the fans have been absolutely fantastic since Clement came in. We've realised he's the real deal. Um, there was a slight, slight bit of tension the other night where we didn't get the, the the fourth goal that we wanted against Ross County. We didn't get that three-goal when that was quite laughable when you think about where we've come from. But it's also quite understandable when you think about the amount of times that the, the, the fans have felt let down over the last uh, few years. But... To do it today was really, it was absolutely vital. To do it so convincingly was just bloody heartwarming, Craig. I just really enjoyed it. And I think it's it's important that we enjoy it, enjoy it the right way. But I think we're, there's a feeling today of the new baseline has been set. This is what we're all about. We're total challengers. You know, if anybody's going to take the title off us, 
they're going to have to be really good. Um, and it's it's just it's just lovely to be back in a situation where everybody is totally believe everybody at Rangers totally believes in the team that we've got again. No, definitely. I think the the thing that pleased me most about today is that it was just so routine. I mean, McDermott Park, St Johnston, it's one of the places where we've actually got a pretty decent record there, but nothing's ever straightforward. You normally, if you're going to win the game, it'll be by the odd goal, and you might slip up there now and again. Um, but you rarely win by as many goals and. To win by three three goals now, as I say, routine uh, win. Um, but not going to lie, for parts of that first half, I'm thinking, oh my God, this goal isn't going to come. Throwing all the toys at the pram, all these same players, these same serial losers, weak mentality. They're doing it to us again. Um, and then the wonderful Mohamed Diamandi, who had a brilliant game. And do, do you know what? I actually thought he, he started off pretty slowly, but then again, so did the whole team. I think that's understandable given the conditions and, and stuff like that at the park and what we're coming up against. But as soon as we got that goal, he completely ran the show afterwards and I felt great for him to get his first goal today and it was an absolute belter. He slotted in absolutely he slotted in as well as he slotted in uh, that shot. He says trying to be a bit chick young about it. It was absolutely fantastic. He just came in there, Craig what's that that's his second start. He started the Scottish Cup game against United. Aye. That's his that his first start in the league. He's going as a sub but he's just he's just brand new. He's just in the door, um, and he he looks brand new as well. He's he, he just fitted in instantly. He's taking the ball off um, Jack Butland. So I'll, I'll take that firing it up to Cantwell. Cantwell can't he quite get a hold of it. He's right up there trying to shut the, the St Johnson defenders down. to get the ball back again. He's making it. He's making it. He's built like a, an X-ray. And I think that the great thing about him, I think maybe we're going to have a wee word about Scott Wright as well. And I think you see the the difference is that. The criticism I have of Scott Wright is that he can't really work in the tight spaces that Rangers come up against all the time. Uh, nine out of ten games we play. Dear Monday, I think being so slight is probably a part of it, but he's obviously able to work in the spaces. That goal he scored the day, work in the tight spaces, I should say, when Rangers are getting shut down, particularly outside uh, an opposition box, particularly against uh, the likes of a St Johnston. The goal he scores, it's, I mean, Tav again, firing the ball in rapid style, he starts it. Lovely touch by uh, Cantwell around the corner. And Silva's in there. He doesn't get on the ball, but he's in there. He's causing havoc. He's giving the St. Johnson defence something to think about to the point where they can't actually clear the ball properly. And Diamondi, if you're watching the television, you say, I was the same as yourself. You're starting to think, is the team, are they just being patient here? Or are they falling asleep? Has it got too much for them? You know, are they, are they are they failing with the task at hand? You know, it's just everything that we've been through is just playing havoc with what was actually it's plays havoc with your emotions. It means you can't actually see properly, objectively, rationally what is going on in front of you. But uh, the wee man just it looks as if the park is absolutely mobbed with St Johnson players. But he has just seen that spot, and it looks as if he's got no space at all. But he thinks he's got so much space that he's always going to control the ball. He's going to get it under the studs. The old roll forward with the studs to tee himself up for his right foot with his left foot. Absolutely phenomenal. And the shot, that goalkeeper, all three goals we scored today, the goalkeeper got quite close to them, all of them. Um, he's a good goalie. We'll be up against the goalie in, in Wednesday night who'd made saves in a single match than any other goalie since Optus stats began. And the day we're up against a goalie who's had more saves in the league this season than anybody else. Um, because St John's are usually under so much pressure, but... Ah, oh, what a shot. An absolutely fantastic shot. A uh, perfect way for the wee man, uh, Diamondi, to announce himself. And he was just, uh, he's, he's looked he's, he's looked impressive since he, since he first arrived at us. His CV is very impressive. And he, he just, he properly arrived today and really, really excited about what he can do for us. Yeah, so I am, and hopefully that can continue. I mean, in terms of the, the starting lineup, 
there was four or five changes. I can't remember off the top of my head. There was a few that I, I kind of expected. I expected Barisic to come in. I said it on Friday just because of the height and the way that St Johnson are going to be physically. I felt he would have been a better option than Gilmaz. Um, Fabio Silva came in today. It was a tough afternoon for, for Silva um, again, but it's like I was saying earlier about Diamande, you know, it's that pitch. You're, you're not going to get a lot um, on that pitch, especially the way, the way that St Johnston play. Um, Scott Wright came in as well, and we need to be, we need to start being negative now after we've talked about being top of the league, because that's just what Rangers fans do. Um, well, I don't want to sound like a broken record and be all doom and gloom about it, but I think today's performance again at King, just encapsulated Scott Wright's Rangers career, where it's like he gets an opportunity. And he just doesn't quite take it. And you made a good point earlier, Alec, when you're talking about like those tight spaces. Scott Wright doesn't seem to be able to to get into them. He's really good at making the runs in behind and stuff like that, which you do need at times. But games against St Johnston, um, probably not best suited. But at the same time, it is a game that a guy like that should be able to come in and, and play his part. And it just, it just didn't happen for him today. I mean, maybe I'm just adding two and two together and getting five, mate. Um, when it comes to scoring, and I take absolutely zero pleasure, especially in a day like today when we're mostly oh, we're mostly happy and we're being positive and 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 calling the guy out. Um, I think he definitely tries, and that's half the problem. Mm-hmm. He's trying; it's it's, it's, it's not enough. Um, and it maybe because I I just remember his his greatest moments, maybe not his greatest games, but it's certainly his most memorable moments in the Rangers jersey come at Hamden against Hearts. You know, when it's a, a massive pitch, he's coming on as a sub in both these games, the Scottish Cup final and then in that League Cup semi-final earlier this season. It's, it's a point where we've just taken the lead through a goal by somebody else. And it's a cup final or a cup semi-final as it was against Hearts the last time we played them at Hamden. They've then got to come at as their duty bound to come at us. And then Scott Wright, his pace can expose the, the big open spaces of Hamden and just Rangers naturally being uh, a lot better at Hamden than most of the opposition we play against there. So it feels to me, see, I might just be, it might just be a typical layman uh, observe, observing a game and, and getting it completely wrong. But what I've seen of Scott Wright, it's when it's what we need as players who can work in the tight spaces, who can work against these kind of defences, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. Now, I'm coming off at half time today. It's quite ironic when he comes on at half time in that semi final against uh, Hearts for, for, for Todd Cantwell. It just shows you how players' fortunes can change. And I think, particularly under Clement, we should never write anybody off. Um, he's got us forgetting that we don't have Danilo and Seymour. You know, that's actually forgetting that these mm-hmm. players who are absolutely massive have been lost to us. Um, it, can, it can seem to change anybody's career around uh, at Rangers Clement. But I, I, th- I think. <laughs> We can say, I mean, I thought Matondo uh, went off, get subbed off the other night because the manager wasn't happy with him, but it turned out he'd been injured. So I don't really know the situation. But um, the, the pitch was bobbly. There was a lot of, a, a lot of problems at first. Uh, the, the excuses were there for Rangers if we, if we wanted. The players were of mind to find excuses not to perform today. But Scott Wright just seemed to be... There's a, there's a moment where he knocks the ball to... Cortez is actually coming over to the right-hand side a few times. Um, I don't think it's to make up for Scott Wright. You know, I think it's probably a, it's a, it's a tactic. It's something that's been discussed before the game. But he's coming over the right hand side, and Scott Wright's trying to lay the ball off to him from about you know six yards away, and he's over hitting it, and it's going out for a shy and stuff like that. And that just seemed to kind of sum up his sum up his game. I think I mean Scott Wright's part of the fifty five team and all that, and I think he scored up here against St Johnston um, once we won the league, and we'll just try to get through the season unbeaten. I can imagine. Aye, we're we're a last minute penalty. I was raging that night. I was absolutely raging. We were talking about it's a game. It's a, it's a strange venue for us. And that was one of the nights. But um, I, 
that I, I don't want to write the guy off completely. He's definitely got a lot to offer. And being surplus felt as if he was surplus to requirements. The club are ready to sell him early in the season. That's got to affect your mentality going forward as well. So I don't want to write anybody off completely, but it was an unhappy day for him. And uh, we, we definitely improved the second half when uh, Sterling came on for him, mate. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think with Scott Wright as well, I mean, Ross McCausland, who obviously came on later on, he's been getting a lot of criticism by fans. But I think uh, when you look at when you look at the performances of somebody like a Scott Wright, that actually makes me thankful that we've got somebody like Ross McCausland coming in and performing. That's the thing, Craig. I, well. I actually think in the time that uh, Ross McCausland, who's only really got his chance in October, you know, I mean, I know he's played for the first team before that and that, but he's he's come in there under Steve Davis. And that's Steve Davis two games in charge. He was in for that game against St Mirren after we lost like Lovelace. Um, and in that time, that short space of time, I feel as if Ross McCausland has done as much as Scott Wright in his whole time at Rangers. That's maybe been too cruel. That's maybe been, he's certainly, you know, Scott Wright kind of gets like one and a half goals a season on average. And, you know, a couple of them have been really, really crucial. And I think he made a good contribution in the League Cup semi-final last season against Aberdeen, extra time, you know. But it's, I, I, I just feel as if it's, it's not really happening for him. I mean, need a kind of Ross McCausland level of performance from everybody, uh, minimal, I think. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, in terms of the rest of the game, the other goals, obviously Captain Tav steps up to take the two penalties. We'll talk about the the penalty and the, well, both of them in the the sort of decision-making process behind it, which was a wee bit weird, but that was his 119th and 120th Rangers goals today. Pretty incredible. I mean, there was a stat that came out the other day. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like since he came at Ibrox, Rangers have scored a 1,000 goals and he's directly been involved in maybe 25% of them or something like that, which is just nuts. Um, I think next year it's coming up for his, his 10 years at Ibrox. Um the guy gets a lot of criticism. I mean, I've been critical of him. I know you're a big fanboy, so you you will never accept any criticism of Captain Tav. But um, I, I think there was a... But for me, there's kind of two Tavs. There's the one, I would say, pre, you know, the League Cup final, I think, against Celtic. I think in terms of his mentality, he's always had, for me, the, the ability. But I think his mentality was questioned at that League Cup final where he stepped back and allowed Morelos to take the penalty when he probably should have stepped up to take it. Um, nowadays, if that happens, he's taking the penalty. I think his mentality and his confidence has completely shifted from that point on. And let's be honest, since the season that we have won the league, his numbers have been frightening. He's getting what, between 50 and 20 goals a season. Um, absolutely remarkable numbers, to be quite honest. A hat-trick of assists in Wednesday against Ross County, a double today, both penalties were brilliant, opposite corners, keepers get no chance for either of them, the guy just keeps delivering, and um, I really, really hope that we can continue to form our own, to be quite honest, just so that he can lift us an early title, because he really does deserve another one. Listen, um, I, could, and I, I, I'm a massive uh, Tav fanboy, um, but I would definitely, you know, if, if he's not doing the business, if there's, some, if there's a problem there, and I think, you know, defensively, there's definitely been moments, uh, particularly in his early part of his Rangers career, where he, he, he wasn't at it and it wasn't looking the business. But I think it's a lot of stuff with Tav, it's, it's a misunderstanding of how not just Rangers play, but how modern football functions. Um, I'm the same as everybody else. I'm not the same. I, I wasn't doing. During the January transfer windows, a whole lot of people were suddenly with Hufty by Mayofsky, with Hufty by Shankland. Um, and that was going up against people saying, 
No, it'd be stupid to buy my off skate. It'd be stupid to buy Shankland. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joke. You don't understand. I was, I was just kind of in the middle, going, "Aye, it'd be nice to if they're." I don't, I don't know how much it's going to cost us. Maybe can't afford it, but we should maybe get these guys in. Um, but I think Tab shows up how we don't really know what's going on. You can't judge football in those old terms. That's a, a top league goal scorer again. You know, it was joint top. The worst he's been, I think, all season is joint top. And that's him two goals in front of, uh, I think, Seema and Dessers now or whatever. Uh, he's the heartbeat of the team in terms of getting the rhythm going. And that League Cup final you're talking about as well, that's where he added that extra bit of kind of discipline to his game. You know, that kind of, yeah, a bit more of a bastard after that. I'm just going to do what needs doing. And, you know, I, I am the boss kind of thing. But even in that game itself, that I think was the actual root of 55 that game. Because, you know, no VAR that day when it came to the goal that Celtic scored from. And we had our chance uh, to win that game from the penalty. But the reason we bossed that game up until that point, James Tavenier just said, I'm watching that. I remember being that main stand and just watching Tav surge, surge, surge. Just tempo, tempo coming for the captain. Um, I'll just say one thing. I just want to say one thing. Um, we might not win the league this season, we might not win the squad, might not win anything else, it might just be uh, the League Cup. But I've been really lucky in my life uh, to be involved twice in projects about the Rangers uh, 72 Cup Winners Cup team. And um, they're both powered by a fellow you might know, uh, Ronnie Esplin, absolute uh, legend of Scottish football journalism. And Ronnie knew us, you know, big blue nose as well. And he he was, all the, he was at all the games that I booked, so the, the games that run to Barcelona in 72, and when he was talking about doing a book about it, he was, the thing that was, that Ronnie was saying to me that I, I, I recognised straight away was that our cup winners, cup winning team, didn't get the recognition they were due. They didn't get, there was for some reason, like, Lisbon Lions, greatest Celtic team ever, all Celtic fans adore them, they're the ultimate. Aberdeen's cup winners, cup winning team, greatest Aberdeen team ever, all their fans adore them, they are the ultimate in Aberdeen history. But we always the cut winners, cut winning team. This is like 30, 20 years ago, not now. I first did a book together about this. It wasn't the same. And it was like, and we worked to it. We th- pretty sure that the reason was A, we won the cut winners, cut five years after Celtic won the European Cup. So we're a bit embarrassed that we hadn't won the bigger trophy. That it was a kind of, it looked inferior to what Celtic had won. So we didn't want to go on about it. B, there was the riot after the game, which wasn't your fault, it was the Spanish policy's fault. But, you know, Presbyterian stuff, we're taking the blame, we shouldn't have been misbehaving, blah, blah, blah. And uh, see that the, the domestic season Rangers had that season was horrendous. We, you know, we get beat three times at home by Celtic for reasons I can explain when we get more time. Um, we were just, we're miles off the league, we get beaten a Scottish Cup semi-final for the last time in the 40 odd years, miles after it was terrible domestically. So I think it was a kind of thing of that wasn't the greatest Rangers team of all time winning that European trophy. But 20 years later, we're playing, we're beating Leeds United at Ibrox in the first leg of the Battle of Britain as we are the most powerful football team in Europe with the best football stadium uh, in Britain at the time. It's the Champions League, it's a top table. We're in there, we don't get to be part of that if we don't have a European trophy under our belt. And I think that's what's happened with James Tavernier. People don't want it, they keep calling him a loser, he's a loser. I was talking today about how he'd scored our last three goals at Parkhead. You know, I bet we lost both games. You know, well, we scored three of our last four goals at Hamden. You know, a free kick, a penalty, and a winning goal for open play in a cup final. You know, the guy just he scored like half our goals in the Champions League qualifying games we played this season, and a tank in, in Eindhoven won in the, the draw and Servette that got us into the next round. He just he steps up 
all the time, you know. Uh, rain or shine, win, lose or draw, Tav is just always always there. And I think a lot of Rangers supporters are embarrassed by the fact that we're having to come back for 2012. It's taken a bit of time to get us back to what we were. And because James Tavenier has been the captain, it's like, oh, he's the ca- well, he's the guy that should be lifting the trophies. He's not lifting the trophies, therefore he's a loser. Whereas he's the guy who is just waiting for the new manager. All the new managers that come in and start doing a job, Tav starts motoring. When we're pish under the, the same managers, he's still providing the last goal. The last goal for Geo's Rangers um, at uh, St Mirren and what have He's just there all the time and I think it will be 2032. He's like the Fergus McCann of Rangers. You know, McCann gets slagged rotten by Celtic fans at the time. But fight, you know, once we've went Boston, what have you, suddenly they're all about financial, you know, being uh, kind of like cautious with your money and what have you. And he's a hero. I think it'll be the same with us. I think uh, James Tavernier, once we get the Walter Smith ta- you know, statue up there, uh, maybe a Willie Waddle statue as well, James Tavernier is going to be up there. And I think it will be, you know, again, about 20 years after he stopped playing before we realised just exactly how much uh, a legend he is and um, is the only captain in Scotland that can win a treble this season. Well, exactly. And what a treble it would be if he managed to do it. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. But we're getting too excited. <laughs> In terms of how the <clears throat> excuse me the penalties came about, Ali, I mean, the the first one, I mean Sterling, who was brilliant again, by the way. I seen a tweet earlier. It's like uh, a picture of Jack Butland, and it's like come on, uh, saying, um, "Oh, sorry, boss." Uh, well, Butland saying to come on, "Oh, sorry, boss, I'm injured," and it's Sterling's face over Butland's face, and the goalie's talking. Sterling's like that. No worries, I'll I'll step in and do it. The guys played in every position. Um, this right. season, probably, apart from goals, the guy's an absolute tank. And see, the one thing that I loved the day, I don't know if you noticed, um, when Andy Considine went down injured. So, like, he went to have like, a wee kick at Sterling, almost as if to say, like, oh, welcome to Scotland, welcome to anywhere north of Glasgow. And actually, the way that, Con- because Sterling's that much of a tank in a unit, Considine actually injured himself by having a go at him, which I just thought was hilarious. Um that, that's what you get. You don't mess with Sterling, do you? Um, but no he way. makes a, a good run in the box. He's completely taken it by the, the St Johnston player. And the referee, Matthew McDermott, who's relatively new to the, the top flight anyway, he stops, he looks down, and then he looks up a wee bit confused, and then he looks to the linesman, as if to like say to the linesman, can you make this decision for me? Then says, no penalty. And then obviously, you know, it goes to VAR because... Christ, you really couldn't get away with no giving that one. I just found the whole decision-making process completely, completely baffling. And me and John discuss um, VAR on, on Friday, wee bits of it. But I mean, how the referee's not given that in real time is beyond me. I think, personally, it's a referee that's scared to make a decision, um, scared to give Rangers a penalty in real time, and, you know, just hoping that if he makes a mistake, the guys, you know, and the mothership behind them will, will cover them. But that's not how VAR should work. If you're the referee, you need to referee it as you see it. Um, I think it was pretty obvious that he thought it was a penalty because you see he hesitates and it's obvious that he goes, oh, it's all right, they'll be on me out anyway. So for me, the, the the process behind it was completely baffling. I've no got a clue how he's not given that in the, the first view. I think actually you're right what you're saying there, but you've not got a clue. I've not got a clue either. And I think there's too many fans just now pretending that the I don't know all the, all the rules to football. I don't know how all the protocols work. I'm not taking the time to learn. 
and I think a lot of us uh, steam in there and just mouth off when we don't get something for our team but our team doesn't get something it doesn't get the way we like it then we've got a real problem with it I think um, there's nothing more cowardly than slagging officials slagging referees and to the scale that I don't mean you I slag referees all the time I slag I, in the heat at the moment I'm convinced every single decision that we don't get whether it's right or wrong is a total conspiracy some of the stuff I've shouted at referees over the years I am ashamed of you know, and it's all conspiracy based you No, know, you're at it the guy's never just made a mistake as far as we're concerned he's always at it you know and it's the same for every other club sport in Scotland um, I I, I, I I go in on league football I don't go as much as I used to and uh, a lot of the reason for that is because I I can't I physically can't stand how the referees are treated without referees there's no football when you're slagging a referee to the to the extent that your Suttons and a lot of people in the media that are slagging referees just now. Um, and Craig Craig Levine's comments after the game today were absolutely disgusting. Oh. Uh, it's just it's <laughs> it, you're, sl- you're slagging the game. You're slagging the very sport that you support. You should not. Then, if you actually believe, I, I loved Philip Clement for saying this a few weeks ago. The minute he suspects a referee is not neutral he packs in football. Someone will resign for football. And we should do that as well. People should have the strength of their convictions. If we're going to think there's a referee conspiracy, um, we should just pack it in because the game's no straight. As a sport, it needs to be sport. We, ne- we need to support the referees. There's two penalties today to Rangers and we got both the penalties because of VAR, if you like. You know, but we got them. So VAR should be there. It's doing its job. It made, was it 13 mistakes or something VAR had made? Yeah. 785 or something VAR interventions. That's an amazing percentage. Um, I think the v, like anti-VAR kind of hysteria that's going to just sound like anti-vax. It's just refereeing. It's just the rules. Craig Levine is saying today that VAR have scored day two goals. That doesn't, even, that doesn't make sense. That's like <laughs> the, the R in VAR stands for refereeing. That's you. You would be. It's exactly the same as if he'd stood after that game and said, "The only reason Rangers scored those two goals is because the posts are so far apart. If they could move the posts in quicker, uh, closer, they wouldn't have got the goals." And it's just no fair. It's it's a complete. It's a Deus Ex Machina. It's a it's a non sequitur. The whole anti VR stuff has just got too out of hand, and um, something's going to happen to a referee. You know the the way these guys are treated. I actually feel better seeing a referee getting slagged in a stadium full of fifty thousand folk because at least there's police there and there's stewards. You go to non-league games; these people, these are the only people in the stadium ever that have got nobody supporting them. You know, everybody else is supporting one of the two teams and hates the referee. They actually perform a social function to let folk, not bags, nutters, come out and just get all the bile in their life. Onto referees, some of the abuse they take is absolutely unbelievable. It's like slagging the white lines, it's like slagging the posts, it's like slagging the corner flags. They are a part of the game. The game doesn't exist without rules, and the referees are there to enforce it. And the anti-VAR stuff is just get right out of hand. The only thing that's wrong with VAR is it's taking too long. And if we get the technology, we've only the referees have only been doing it for a year and a half over here, so it's no going to be perfect straight away. And it's going to this idea that it was this idea that it was it's supposed to be perfect. It's no, it's another check on the refereeing. You're re-refereeing games. Aye, that's the idea. So in a situation like today, where we don't get a stonewall penalty, VAR can come in and do it for him. And that boy might have been scared. It's a young, it's a referee I'd never seen before, mate. That's done to me. I'm not studying the game enough. I don't have the knowledge. 
But as a referee I've never seen before, so you might be right, he might actually have been scared and we've got to ask questions about why and get that sorted. You know, um, he might not understand the protocols. For me, I'm thinking if the ball had been kept in play and it, like, you know, when, when uh, Sterling gets fouled and maybe the ball had gone across the St Johnston box and been still getting played, doesn't he want to call it in case play should go ahead, keep, keep going? But it goes straight into the goalkeeper's hands. So for me, it was a stone waller. Rangers, I think, have won the toss today and shot towards the end. We wouldn't normally shoot towards in the first half at McDermott because of the sun, the low winter sun. And I've been watching the replays and I think the, the referee is just getting into the shade as the tackle's made and there is a Rangers player in front of him. And even as we're all thinking, that looks like a stone waller. Uh, who was it in Cocoms? Kenny Miller on Sky is saying, has Considine got to that first? Oh no, and we see the angle from behind the goal. We can see, oh no, it's definitely as a stone waller. It definitely is. It's, you know, Sterling has got there first. So maybe he's doing that because he knows that VR is going to come in there and make the decision for him eventually. I'm a bit puzzled like yourself as to why the referee, why the, the assistant, the linesman, hasn't made the, the decision that's closer to him. But it was two stone wall penalties and we got the penalties and we scored the two of them. The only thing that's wrong for me is with VR is the fact that it takes so long sometimes for the decision to be made. And We've seen like in the Super Cup final at the high end of the game with most money. They've actually got technology in there that's making these decisions really, really quick. So it will get quicker. It will get better. But we've got a whole raft of referees who haven't been trained in VR, who've been raised in a non-VAR world. So the new referees coming through should be able to use it better and all that. And uh, I thought when Craig Levine came out today and said what he said after the game, and he did it on BBC after in sports scene, and he's done it on Sky, just making it that VAR scored the goals today. That's what these guys are up against. And they're, they're getting backed by the broadcasters who just like the easy copy of easy controversy. But um, no, mate, I've had enough with the anti-VAR stuff. For me, that was <laughs> it was two penalties and we got them because of VAR or not. So the, the right thing happened in the end. I mean, I think with Craig Levine, I, I genuinely don't think he's been serious with 90% of the stuff he comes out with. He's looking at Luke Shanley. He's looking at Luke Shanley as if to say, are you going to let me say this? Because it's going to help me uh, kind of hang on to my job or take the pressure off his players. They probably just need the money, uh, Levine. And he's like, you're okay, I'm just going to keep saying this. But Craig Levine was like that a decade ago before oh, there was any VAR. It was refereeing conspiracies. And he was talking about, it was one of was the United manager at Rugby Park. We know what he did before the UEFA Cup final when Rangers beat the United 3-1 in 2007, 2008. But I remember it was a game called Marnock at Rugby Park, then the United and I don't know what happened, but Dundee United didn't get the goal or something. There's a bad decision. And he was saying the referee and the linesman should give their uh, wages to the supporters. They should refund our supporters for making the journey down here tonight um, because they made a mistake. And you're thinking, is that right, Craig? What about every single time you make an arse of things like by playing with no striker for Scotland and Prague? Are you going to refund the entire Tartan Army? There's a lot of hysterical, emotive garbage spoken by managers defending their job and by broadcasters trying to create controversy and by old men who are sick of the effort of going to watch their Fitbit team but want to want to find a reason not to go back so VAR will day fine because that's modern Fitbit uh, ruining it for us. It's got to stop and uh, I think these guys, I think we got what we're supposed to get today was the two penalties and I'm absolutely fine with it. Sorry, I've just been listening to I've been listening to so much anti-VAR stuff. I didn't realise I was actually that angry. <laughs> I think, uh, no, I was going to say that would be a bit interesting if you're trying to show off your expenses about um, your credit card statements after a week in Prague with a card <laughs> money. Uh, aye, that would be that would be funny if Craig Levine was out refunding that. But um, just before we move on to the next part of the pod, guys, 
um, need to give uh, another sponsor message. That is from our sponsors, Football Prizes. They're a company who specialise in football competitions and match draws. Um, as you can see, the latest prize is a signed shirt by various Rangers legends such as Haley, Wood, Spikeman, Stephen and Walters. And it's also framed as well, so you don't need to worry about paying extra for that. Each ticket costs £3.95. There's a maximum of 149 entries. For details on how you can enter, you can visit our Twitter at Jersnet Online or go over to their website at footballprizes.co.uk. So, next part of the pod, Alec, obviously spoke about the game there, but I just wanted to speak about the overall picture at the moment. You know, where we are, where this title race is, either is or isn't happening, depending on who you speak to. Um, I've seen a few people speak about this a, a couple of weeks ago. This was before Celtic drew Aberdeen, and people are saying that um, it looks as if we are probably overperforming at the moment, and Celtic are maybe underperforming. But I, I came back and I've kind of said, well, are we overperforming? Maybe this is the levels that we're actually supposed to be performing at with our squad. And it begs another question about like Michael Beale's recruitment. And I'm just throwing this out as a question, right? I'm not saying it's yes or no before people go mental in the comments, right? But has Michael Beale's recruitment, and I'm not talking about his managerial skills, skills right? I'm talking about his recruitment. Has it actually been as bad as people are making it out to be? Because seeing it when you actually have a think about it, right? There's been two probably disaster signings, and I'm saying that because I can't think of anything else, right? And Lammers, Sequentes probably as well. But at least we've managed to get them out, do you know what I mean? And we're probably going to get some money back for them. But see, apart from that, every other signing that Beale's made pretty much, and I mean, I can be corrected if I'm wrong, they have made an impact somewhat this season. Even Dessers, who people are slagging off, Butland's been the signing of the season, Balligan, you know, is probably the first choice centre back when when he's fit. Um, Danilo, apart from his injury, has been good. Um, Sterling, who you know was was he playing a lot, but when he's came in under the new manager, has been absolutely fine. Even Kieran Dowell, yeah, he's had his injury problems, but you know he's still contributed when he's played. You go back to last season as well. He signed Raskin, who all right, he's been a bit hot or cold, but still been a decent enough signing, and obviously Cantwell. So. Maybe Michael Beale's recruitment wasn't actually that bad, but it was just his actual managerial skills that was letting him do. And I think with these group of players, people are writing this group of players off, but they seem to be a lot better than what people are giving them credit for. I mean, i seen a tweet earlier by um, a former um, Wolverine League manager, and in fact, he might still be, but I'm, no, I'm not going to name names to give people airtime, basically saying that Rangers are an average side, but you don't finish top of top your Europa League group and put in performances like that against Real Betis if you're an average side. I think this Rangers team's actually a wee bit underrated. I think there's players in there that, you know, are actually pretty good players. I think this squad's getting a lot of slagging when I think it's a lot better than what people are making it, to be quite honest. I think the, the, the question really is just how good is Philip Clement if he can make, Aye. you know, the, 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 ver the veritable uh, silk purse, the, the pig's ear. Of uh, Michael Beale's team, which, as you say, wasn't that bad. You're absolutely spot on me. I've been thinking about this a lot uh, this season. Jack Butland, nobody's going to argue him. Jack, just to see a goalkeeper who can come out and command his area. That was a great thing with Jack Butland at first. We didn't realise, I mean, God forgive me for saying anything against Alan McGregor, who is officially the best Rangers goalkeeper in my life. Um, absolutely ph phenomenal. I still have a, 
I find it hard to, to see anybody uh, other than Gorham as being the best I've ever seen. But and uh, Alan McGregor beat Gorham uh, for me. That, that took a lot of beating as far as I was concerned. But when Jack Butland, he, he just got to the point where he was too old, Alan McGregor. It was that, and that's not his fault that we let him uh, stay on. He was still capable of making the point blank saves, but he wasn't doing the simple stuff of coming out and commanding his box. And uh, the, the fact that we're conceding so few goals, only you know, four goals on the road that we're seeing the day in the league, um, the best defensive record by far in the league it's done to I think a lot of the confidence spread through an ever-changing central defence and uh, the, the left-back area is because we have a goalkeeper who just comes out and takes the ball out the air you know when there's a cross coming in it just commands his ball that's something we haven't actually had just the basic stuff for about a season and a half I would say uh, up until the start of this season and that spread confidence through and then it got to the game I think it's the game in Prague really under Tim Clement comes in and he starts making the double saves he <laughs> starts making we're under real pressure and he starts making the spectacular saves uh, I think it, it, Butland just showed that he's, he's absolutely class he's up there with Kloss, Woods, McGregor, Gorham all that kind of stuff absolutely phenomenal but Seema as well I think Seema another signing by he got him in and he's I I, I I think this, um, this goes straight into praising Clement for making us almost forget about him. One of the reasons I was like, I take Shanklin, take my off seat, just get somebody in that makes me believe in goals for Rangers is because when we lost Seema, and again, that's goals coming to the left-hand side of the park. Uh, his goal scoring rate was absolutely phenomenal. Just crept up on as a guy who just got better and better in a kind of slow, under-the-radar way and just became... Uh, it was absolutely vital to what Clement was doing with Rangers, never mind Beal and, you know, testament to Clement that we haven't missed him so far that might not be the case as, as the season goes on but uh, you're absolutely right mate uh, Raskin it's just injuries Cantwell I think Cantwell epitomises what Philip Clement has done at the club I think he's I think he's kind of tamed Cantwell like a wild horse kind of thing just had taken a break him perhaps and he's got him doing what he wants him to do you see even when he took him off the part of the day he's given him the big long conversation the big hugs the sincerity and just said to him I don't know what he was saying to him but it looked like something along the lines of don't you think for a second I'm taking you off because I think you're crap. It's I want to save you for the next game or I'm just going to get try something a bit different, blah, blah, blah. He's coaching all these players. But I I think uh, it's that thing, mate. You know what it's like at Rangers, it's sugar or shite. If if it's no happening, uh, Beal just everything Beal did, everything Beal touched, it was complete crap and should and that's why that's why there's still a wee bit of caution when it comes to when it comes to Clement, because Michael Beale's record when he came in to at the start at Rangers was absolutely sensational. You know, he got to the point, he drew his first game against Celtic. You know, I know it was at Ibrox, but uh, that's, you no know, Clement's lost his first game against Celtic. Bill's record, it was, it, it very rarely dropped points to anybody other than Celtic. It was the fact that it was only Celtic he couldn't beat that became a real problem for him then towards the end and then the beginning of the season it didn't work. And I think his, his pre-season seemed to have been horrendous. It was notable even in the pre-season friendlies this season that we just weren't at it at all. Even in a pre-season state, we just didn't look at it in any way, shape or form. But uh, I, I think he's he's able... He's, that's, my, that's maybe what Michael Beale is. A great coach, a technical coach. You know, he'll be able to draw you all the kind of heat maps and what have you <laughs> that are required. And a great scout as well. Somebody's able to spot talent. But um, he's just not able to do it. You know, transfer it to the dressing room uh, and get and get it back onto the pitch again. But uh, I, I think he's... Yeah, you're absolutely right. We are saying, mate, the, the signings weren't as bad as we thought. Even Sifuentes come on in. Remember, we come on for Lawrence. Lawrence got that injury early on at Tynecastle. When we first started to try Lawrence's position, that he's yeah. now going to be, you know, sitting beside 
Lundstrom, the sitting two in midfield. He got injured straight away. We brought on Sifuentes, who wasn't even ready to come on the park. But he was great that <laughs> night. You know, he was great that night against Hearts. And it made a difference. And what a job he did um, in uh, Seville as well. When he come on in Seville, he was playing in Seville, I think Sifuentes. He was in a holding midfield and we brought in Sterling in the second half. I think Sifo got injured earlier or something. I can't remember what happened exactly. But oh, he's definitely, he's definitely done a job. Definitely done a, a few good jobs. So it wasn't, it wasn't all terrible with Sifuentes. Um, but aye, I, I don't think it's really terrible with any, all terrible with any player. Even, even Lama scored an absolute belter up at Dundee, didn't he? And it was, I remember the whole stadium going nuts when it was, can't well they get taken off against Aris Lemus Soul after 37 minutes and no Lamas because he had become the boo boy, become the target. And a part of me is still a bit convinced that we just broke that boy. He just became the scapegoat. And uh, we never, he was never going to get the chance to be, you know, to prove so many Rangers supporters wrong. They just, so many fans had too much invested in him being honking. Some of the treatment of Lamas was, was terrible. But, uh, I I don't think it's I I, I don't think uh, Beale's uh, signing policy was half as bad as it has been made out. Mate, I think you make a really good point there. I uh, as interesting. It's something that I've, I've thought about since the new manager, <clears throat> excuse me, came in. You know how much it is down to you know managerial skills and how much it is down down to recruitment. Um, I mean, people were slagging the board off for giving Michael Beale's the keys to the castle, but if we go on and continue to follow that, well, you know. Maybe it was a it was a exactly. good thing to do, and then just bring know, it and, but the thing is, we, we forget we forget during the summer, you know. Oh, we, um, we here's that. a wee announcement. Here's a wee announcement about what's happening at New Edmondson House, and all the replies are announced lammers, oh, announced desers. What we're wanting these, and let let what let um, Michael Beale have the keys to the castle because that's what Celtic have done with Posta Coglu, and it's worked for them, you know. So they, we were encouraging all that stuff, and then suddenly when it goes wrong, we're all. Don't want any day. It was nothing to do with us, you know. Uh, Bill's a joke, and everything he's done was a joke, and it's it's just not that straightforward. But um, I will be. Apart from it, I must admit, though, I am really, really excited already to see what Clement is going to do once he's got a, a full preseason and making a few uh, more of his own signings, you know. But again, getting ahead of ourselves. You know? Aye. Well, hopefully, he does it a Paul Gwynn starter in the Sahara Desert because that will <laughs> that will just look to disaster, won't it? Hopefully, he's, too, he's, a, he's a bit of an old ginger like myself. It's too, too bald. It's, it's, the, the sun would get to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that I've, I've thought about lately as well is, is kind of the narrative that's been set by, let's face it, Celtic fans that they're throwing away everything. You know, you know what it's like over there right now. Everything's, you know, they're wanting to set fire to things. I mean, they quite literally did set fire to things no, not that long ago. Um, but, you know, this whole, you know, we're throwing the title away, we're doing this, we're doing that. Can you really throw a title away? I mean, is it something that fans just say because they're angry at how bad their team's doing? Other team even doing bad? I, I tweeted earlier that um, Brendan Rodgers averaged 92 points during his first spell at Celtic. Um, if you tally up all two and a half of his seasons on a points per game ratio, right now he's on hand to get 91 points. So Brendan Rodgers is performing pretty much the same rate as Brendan Rodgers always has at Celtic. Yeah. What's the difference? The difference is Rangers are only managed by Graham Murray or Pedro Cascina. Um Rangers don't have a budget half the size of Celtic anymore. That that is the difference. And for me, Celtic fans are you know, that they were lapping up Brendan Rogers a, a few years ago. Um now they're attacking Brendan Rogers the board just for doing what they've done the last few years. Anyway, they're doing the exact same thing as I've always done, but it's terrible now all of a sudden. 
just because the canny stand does being half decent. And I said earlier, I don't think their supporters have the stomach for a title fight. Whether the players or the manager do is another question. I don't know about that. We'll find out in due course. But the fans, some of them are just absolutely mental. And I think um, I've said it a few times. For me, it's about togetherness and unity. I think unity within a club as a whole, 95 to 100% of the time, will normally result in you winning a league title. In my life anyway, I can't think of many times where a club that's been divided properly, like properly ripped apart from scene to so, goes on to win leagues. Every time that Rangers have won a league, okay, we might have had the stuff going off the park with, you know, David Murray and, and, and stuff like that and Lloyd's taking over the club, but everybody was right behind Walter. Everybody was right behind that group of players for those three years. Even before, Alec McLeish still had the back and a lot of the fans when he had his last um, day couple of wins as well. Um, but I think it's about unity. I think if we can keep our fan base together, but for the rest of the season, just let them fall apart. It's it's what they love to do. It, it's what they were born to do. They're, you know, that's what they love to do. What what you're seeing the reaction of Celtic fans in the last few days. This is what they love to do. They've done it. They're holding our existence. They will continue to do it. And for us, it's just a case of setting up these wee traps and allowing them to fall through. It, I think, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I I, I, I just think uh, once once you get a big supporter of a football team, there's always going to be a a nutter element and uh, uh, if you, you just have to read my tweets on Twitter just to see the amount of crap that, that gets talked on Twitter on social media or X whatever you want to call it um, and it's always the the, the, the nut bars come to the fore uh, a lot of the time and maybe skewer in a dangerous way uh, what the the kind of body quality what, what most supporters are actually thinking is a, I think there's a silent majority at most clubs not everybody goes on and pulls it all out on a Twitter, but I think there's a stereotype. We are very, very hard on our own club uh, all the time. I think we're, we're very kind of, you know, if it's if something goes wrong, it's our fault. And I think that's why the VAR thing as well, Celtic are so against VAR. I think that's the number one clue for Rangers supporters. My enemy's enemy is my friend. Um, you know. it's, it's weird, but with VAR, Alec, because Celtic were in favour of VAR before it came out, but now all of a sudden it's introduced a known favour of it. Well, because they've realised, because they've realised that it stops them being able to win things by shouting, you know, by shouting <laughs> the loudest. Because they will always, because that is one, that is one part of the the Celtic support. And it's not, it's not Celtic supporters are like. There's still plenty of Celtic supporters are uh, sensible folk and what have you. And we've got, certainly got our own nut bar element who like to shout things down. And I'm kind, I'm kind of against the, the the broad the the broad brush strokes thing. But I think uh, the stereotypes of supports Celtic has always been about their pain has to be has to mean more than your victory you know it gets to the point that they're like i think if there's a kind of collective shorthand for the the nut bar wing of the celtic support it will be a uh, we're going to shout loudest about how much we like when they see when they lost to ross county in the league cup during the covid season but we you know during 55 that was i know they hadn't played the scottish cup final yet at that point in time but celtic were on their way to four successive trebles and the very first time they weren't able to win a domestic trophy for the first time in five seasons, they rioted outside the stadium, like attacked their own team bus and what have you. Now, it's a bit of a misnomer because there is like 60,000 season or 50,000 season ticket holders in a 60,000 capacity stadium at Parkview. There's, you know, I don't know, 200,000 Celtic fans in the Glasgow area, maybe a million. 
So it was just a few Hunter folk that attacked it, but it's that kind of, you don't, you, you have a wee moment, you just go, take it in the chin, let's just praise what we've done there. You know, that, that's like come to an end, you know, well done for what you've done. But they couldn't, it went straight to, oh my God, we're getting beat, we can't take it. You know, um, and you'll get that whole thing about, you know, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser, which I think is a, a lot of crap that's all about. That's a justification for unsporting behaviour and what is a sport. Yeah, there's a, very much that thing with Celtic where it's like, if we can't win it, let's burn the whole thing down to the ground. And I never want Rangers to become like that. But it's the same thing. I think that, le that, le that led to us burning ourselves down to the ground almost uh, because we're so set upon blaming ourselves for everything. You know, you see, you know, not everybody was behind Walter Smith. There was always an arsehole who thought he'd been a smart ass by slagging Walter Smith's tactics um, <laughs> at the time I was supporting Rangers. And Walter Smith was behind David Murray. And a lot of folk didn't like that either, you know, because um, David Murray only won as the 14 titles, goes to a European final, goes to a goal away for a Champions League final and rebuilt the stadium, half the stadium, never finished it off to make it one of the best in Europe. But apart from that, he hated us and he was a con man and he was just there to, you know, to, 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 to shut Rangers down. There's always got to be a black and white thing. Uh, we, we, we supporters were talking earlier on about Michael Beale's signings. You're absolutely spot on. Not as bad as we thought it was, but it just wasn't good enough. And I think the same thing's happened. Uh, with Rangers doing the years, but it's just, it's no letting your nutter element take over. But uh, we hope that that does happen with Celtic. We hope that the, the kind of flailing and the, you know, I hate Brendan Rodgers, despite, you know, back in September, I thought it was the best thing since, since sliced bread. To be fair, a lot of Celtic fans were very, very upfront about the fact they didn't want Rodgers back. And um, they didn't think he was, he was the man. They hated him for betraying them, for leaving in the first place and all this kind of thing. So uh, a, a lot of them are just kind of sticking by their guns if they're now, if they're now slagging Rodgers. A lot of them see it as chickens coming home to roost. Uh, but I, I, I don't, I, I think we've got to follow the Philip Clement example and it's it look after ourselves. That man refuses. I think I've heard them say the word Celtic twice. And one of them was when we're just about to you know, kick off against them <laughs> at Parkhead. Uh, and it's not in a bitter. We don't want to be part. We don't want to be half in anything type away. It's just oh. it's pro Rangers. It is totally respectful to everybody else, and and in the sense that he doesn't want to be counting any chickens. He is just focusing on the task at hand all the time. You know, you got to look after the pennies to look you know, to look after the pounds kind of thing. Um, so, I we're enjoying feeling strong again. We're enjoying feeling like we're on top again. Uh, that obviously comes hand in hand. We enjoying the pain of our oldest and dearest rivals, but we really do want to be waiting until we've actually won. You know, but and that's that's a big thing that's changed today, and maybe perhaps not almost a negative sense, but it's a negativity you want to embrace. Is that we will now? We can only win the league now. We can only fail now. If we don't win the league, it's not going to be like, well, Clement did well to get them within a few points of the league. Definitely improved them from when Michael Beale was in. He's gone top of the league with all the games in hand played. We it'll now be a disaster for the for the, the noisier element, our, our nut bar wing, the nut bar wing of our support, in which I'm a kind of associate member. Um if we don't win the title now. So it's we better not be counting. I'm I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with chickens. I think I'm just getting a bit hungry. Uh, counting chickens is a big thing for me tonight. But um we better just make sure we get to the end of the season and we get this league one before we start getting too joyous. Um, about the, the pain of our rivals across the city. No, I agree. And I, I said it yesterday in Twitter. I mean, like, we're football fans, and obviously, when, when things happen, you're going to have a laugh at your rivals' expense, which is fair enough. And I'm. I, We've I, been getting I, I it, it. I, I love yeah. it, but 
it, it, it's I, I did see a few tweets like yesterday, and I've seen a few today where it's like, is that when a Brendan Rodgers is outside Celtic Park and he's saying to the Celtic fans like, oh, if you don't believe me or something like that, then I'll see you in May. And Rangers fans are retweeting like that. Ah, can you see he's known? It's like, right, you said see you may not see you in February. Like, come it's, on. Like, it's keep powder dry time. It's time to keep the powder dry because we really, we really are going to unleash. We really are going to, and we deserve to as well. We really have earned it. We've been getting it tight for you. Celtic, it's like the one, was it five trebles in seven seasons? And yet it's still a conspiracy because we got a couple of stonewall penalties a day. You know, and this is, <laughs> and to be fair, I'm, I'm looking, at, looking at these comments more through me getting dragged into it, but I'm seeing Celtic fans underneath such comments saying, no, mate, we need to be, start looking at ourselves. Rogers is at fault here, the signing policy, blah, blah, blah. So they're not, they're not the same, but um, there's been some real horrible stuff uh, getting thrown at us over the years. And um, they really enjoyed their pain, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but we will we keep our powder dry and wait until we get that uh, that league title won, be it this season or, or be it next season, and we'll, we can then properly properly unload. But everybody should really as it, enjoy this moment tonight. For Rangers, are definitely looking the business again. I I agree. Lastly, well, then before we finish up, I mean it's about the consistency because I think that's nine games in a row we've won now. Um, fantastic. Christ, we've just jinxed it. We're not going to beat Hearts next Saturday now because yeah, that's, nine. that's nine. We're not going to get to ten now. Um, although then again... Shank- really Shankland hat-trick. Yeah. Oh, Christ. <laughs> uh, aye, that, would, that, that would be very, very interesting if that happened. Let's hope it doesn't, but I'm, I'm sure it won't. Um, but, you know, how do we keep being consistent? And I think mostly... Um, you know, how do we keep being consistent? That's something the manager will, will say, just keep doing your jobs game by game, trading session by trading session, every, as he said. But for me, it's more so as a fan base. It's like, we will slip up, right? We've got 12 league games left, right? There is no way that we are winning our next 12 league games, right? It's not going to happen. But for me, I think that when we do slip up, right? And hopefully when we do slip up, you know, we'll be a couple of, maybe we'll be four points ahead or whatever and maybe only brings it back to what we are now, right? But even if it doesn't, like even, for example, if Celtic won yesterday and we drew today, could this have been a 180? Would our fans have been going mental? At the same time, you're still only two points behind with two old firm games to go. So for me, it's just about keeping the heat for the next 12 games. I, you know, we will slip up. Don't get on the team's back that much um, unless they've been really 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 bad in which case by all means do what you want but stick with it stick with it I mean I've seen Walter Smith Rangers side struggle to get over the line uh, was it was it was it 2009 where like we went to Easter Road or was that the one we got to the UEFA Cup final and like basically we just had to win and we would have pretty much won the league and then we drew no no and then it's like which even want to win the league, Walter, and then Celtic slipped up like the next day, and then that gave us the chance to go win it at Tadice. It's like, so we've seen the best of the best struggle to get over the line at times. So if they struggle to do it, this squad could also struggle to do it as well. But for me, it's just about, you know, calming down, don't get too ahead of ourselves, don't get too far back as well. Try and stay calm, try and stay in that, that sort of neutral frame of mind until. It's all said and done. I think I like that's that's the way to go forward as fans when we are doing inevitably slip up this season. I think if there's any one benefit to the, the bad start we had to the season, it's 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 made people appreciate Clermont more. Uh, we yeah. definitely see the improvement, and the fans are right behind it. There was a lot of nerves the other night. I think it was you know there was a, there was a bit of and 
a bit kind of growling and all that. Oh, we need to get this other goal and what have you. And it's we had it was like forty three shots on target. Sorry, thirty three on target or whatever. But forty three shots on goal. It was like I think there's a general acceptance that we're being a bit greedy the other night. But it's just a fear that you know are we going to miss? Are we going to you know no pick up in this chance? But they'll have done it. That's basically the third league game in the trot today, where we have technically, and it's become less and less technical and more probable that we will go top of the table. You know, it might have been temporary against Aberdeen. We're just happy to beat Aberdeen. Just happy to beat them when they end up. Even if we'd won by three clear goals that night, we would have gone top of the league that night. Um, that's that. I'll be back on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, if we beat Ross County by three clear goals, we go top of the table. You know, but it was kind of more expected because Ross County had been, you know, had, had a bad season. He'd lost five hundred in Motherwell the same night. We beat Aberdeen, blah blah blah. But we didn't quite get there. But we got the three points secured, and there was a kind of comment. Whereas today, I feel as if, and you're you're saying it, mate. I'm glad we've got the guts to admit this. We're, we're loving the fact we won three nothing today. But up until the the, set, the thirty seventh minute of that game today, I didn't know what was happening with the Rangers' mentality. You know, because if today, if we hadn't won the game today. I think if we hadn't gone top of the league today, particularly we've got a whole week now for it to fester. There's no midweek game, you know, that, which should be a good thing. But I think mentality-wise, it wouldn't have been if we'd slipped up today. It'd be like, oh, they just kind of do it. It would start getting, it would start getting fashioned. It would start getting regarded as this team doesn't want to go top of the league. They're, they're bottlers, you know, even though as ridiculous as that is. Um, so I, I think they had to do it today, um, and 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 they did. And the reason, the way they've done it, as I say, the manager. He doesn't see well. We've got a minimum, I think, of um, fifteen games we're going to play. If we go straight out to the Scottish Cup to Hibs and we go straight out to the, the Europa League to whoever we play in the last sixteen, that's three games, and we've got our twelve remaining league games. So a minimum fifteen games, but we're hoping for twenty-two or twenty-four more games. Whatever. If we go all the way in Europe and we go to Dublin, and you know we go all the way in the Scottish Cup as well, but the manager will just focus on one game. It's almost like in The Wire, you know, the guys that go to jail in, in The Wire, they'll see only day two days in the joint, the day you go in and the day you leave. Well, I think Clement is just like, well, there's only one game to go this season and it's the next one. It's the next one we're playing, which is, and that, I think that's the, the greatest thing he's done in terms of mentality, is he's basically just espousing the one game at a time mantra in a different way. I think that's what most great managers have to do is just keep the players believing and focused on a game-to-game -game basis, as well as knowing your tactics and everything else. But he keeps that focus. And even in, I'll just say one thing, press conference, not, the, not before this game, but it's before the Ross County game. So it'd be Tuesday, the pre-match presser, uh, um, for the for the game against Ross County. I was... Uh, as usual, making something in the kitchen. I was cooking my dinner or whatever when I was listening to that on my on my phone, the, the YouTube Ginger's YouTube channel. So I'm not watching it. I'm not watching. I'm just listening to to come on. And he gets asked about Balogun, and he talks about Balogun with the face mask. We're going to get him tested out, see if he's going to come back. And I know about that, says Clement, because I was a player. He's a centre half as well, a defensive midfielder. Clement, he's playing career. I know what it's like with the mask thing. You've got to get it. You know, you've got to try and work out how, what's the best fit for you. Blah blah blah. So you believe him. This isn't Michael Beale telling you a story about a player. This is believable. So he's a player who's played at that level. You believe him about that. Later on, what did he ask him later on? Uh, Don Kerry, they've got a Ross County, they've got a temporary manager. They've got a, you know, a caretaker manager. So is that going to be easier for you? Because the, the press are all trying to make him say, the Rangers, the, the mainstream press are all trying to make him say something that can go up in the Celtic notice board or the opposition team notice board. 
do you think that's going to be easier for you? No, because I was I, I was caretaker manager at Bruges. That was my first time at management. I, I stepped in to be caretaker manager at Bruges and I was psyched to my nut. I was really, really up for it. So this guy's going to be really up for it and it's going to be difficult for us to, to beat him. Coming with his experience straight away. See, in the middle of the interview, see, I'm not looking at him, I'm not watching Clement. And somebody said, I can't remember what it was. Again, it was something like, if you win by three goals tonight, you're going to go top of the league. That must be uh, quite exciting for you. And he made a noise. He just kind of went, ugh. Because he's so phobic about any about giving anybody anything, about, about thinking Rangers are going to go top of the league, about thinking about cups, about thinking about trophies. No. And it was almost like he thought, Alec, you're cooking your dinner now, mate. You can't see me. You know, so I'll make a noise just to let you know how much I am against the idea of talking about Rangers going top of the league. The guy's absolutely sensational when it comes to the money management and the support management, you're talking about managing the expectations of the support and about keeping us focused in one game at a time. And uh, the way he's bringing in players, we've got problems, we're questioning Scott Wright, what have you, but we've questioned Todd Cantwell this season as well, and he's now coming back into being a, a fixture, a starting fixture. Who would have thought Tom Lawrence could come in there and, and be in the sitting two? The sitting two has changed. It's not a, it's not a, a, a Jack or a, a Sifuentes or a Raskin sitting beside John Lundstrom. It's now a Diamonte or a Lawrence when we're up against you know a lesser opposition, they can get forward. He's constantly evolving about while he's doing that and he's constantly improving the players that he's got, but he's keeping us focused on the next game, the next game, the next. The way you project into the future um, is by doing it now, doing as much as you can in the moment. And that's I think that's the great thing we come on. And that's what we, you're right, as a support, have got to do. Just keep focusing on that next game, mate. Yeah, one game at a time. Slow and steady wins the race, as they say. Correct. And that's that's the way to go forward. Um, but no, that's absolutely brilliant. Thanks very much for joining me tonight, Alec. It's been an absolute oh, pleasure. Pleasure, Thanks. mate. Top Boston. Ah, it's been brilliant. Thanks very much. At least somebody thinks so. Um, I'll, take the, <laughs> I'll take any compliment tonight. Um, <laughs> Thanks very much to the guests at home. As we say, one game at a time, guys. We're playing Hearts next Saturday. Um, I think Alec will be back with his post-match reaction um, as will mean Scott we'll be doing a press conference reaction see what the manager's got to say about it and uh, hopefully it'll be another one for Rangers but thanks very much for joining us tonight guys and enjoy the rest of your weekend goodbye